When I was in middle school, one of my best friends told me about a scene in The Wizard of Oz where you could see a man in the background swinging back and forth from hanging himself on a set tree during filming. I didn't believe her, so we pulled out the old VHS and I watched it for myself. There is something there in the background. If you believe that's what you're looking at, you can see a man swinging back and forth from a rope. Ever since then, anytime I see that movie, I watch that part intently just so I can lay some fresh eyes on it. I thought this would be a super cool topic for the podcast, but when looking for more information about this incident, I found some crazy stuff about this movie and, well, the curse of The Wizard of Oz. After diving into this, I found many more films that have had eerie or extremely tragic circumstances surrounding the cast and crew during and after being involved with these movies. Therefore, many people believe that these specific movies are cursed, and some of these curses have followed the cast and crew to the end of their lives, which unfortunately for some, came shortly after filming. Today's topic is cursed movies. Hollywood premiered The Wizard of Oz just over 84 years ago. I'm not sure there's an American alive who hasn't seen that movie, so I don't think a synopsis of the movie is necessary. The movie won two Academy Awards for Over the Rainbow, nominations for Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Art Direction, and Special Effects. It had great success, but most of its success came in 1956 when CBS aired it for the first time. But The Wizard of Oz, despite its success, became known as Cursed. There were dozens of problems on set, many because the things they were doing from special effects and makeup to costumes and stunts were experimental, new, and untested. And unfortunately for the cast, they were basically the guinea pigs, trying out poisonous makeup for one. Buddy Ebsen was the original person cast as the Tin Man, in order to achieve his shiny metallic look, the makeup used was actually pure aluminum dust. Nine days into filming, Buddy began feeling unwell, and he started having severe cramps in his arms, legs, and hands. He was also having a very hard time breathing. One night, Buddy woke up screaming from the violent cramping. His breathing problems had also become so severe his wife called an ambulance and they rushed him to the hospital. Buddy stated that he was sure he was dying. He spent two weeks in an oxygen tent. They found that his issues were because of all of the aluminum dust he had inhaled from his makeup, poisoning him. The studio became impatient waiting on Buddy to heal. 
Many sources stated that the studio was totally impatient and unsympathetic and furious. They demanded that Buddy return to work. Buddy was so sick and his skin even turned blue during his hospital stay. I'm assuming that means from the aluminum. After Buddy just couldn't return yet, they decided to just replace him. So they hired Jack Haley. This time, instead of using the dusty aluminum powder and applying the makeup, they wet the makeup first by mixing it into a paste so there weren't aluminum particles in the air. This might have helped some, but Jack Haley did end up developing a severe eye infection because of this makeup. But the Tin Man wasn't the only person to suffer because of their makeup. Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West, also endured a terrible situation. When the witch's scene came where she had to disappear in a flash of smoke in Munchkinland, there was a tiny trapdoor exit that Margaret had to perfectly stand on in order for the effect to look right. During filming, this trapdoor got stuck and the fire blasted before Margaret had time to be released out of this stuck trapdoor in time. While the Tin Man's makeup was made of aluminum, the witch's makeup was copper-based. Margaret might have been okay had she not been wearing a copper mask, essentially, all over her face and hands. So when the fire was gone, her makeup was hot and kept burning her face and hands. She was screaming out in pain, and they rushed her to the first aid station. She suffered second and third degree burns because of this. And to make matters worse, the only way to get this copper-based makeup off was with alcohol. So her badly burned skin had to be scraped with alcohol to get this stuff off. It was so, so painful. Margaret said her hands were so badly burned from the wrist to her fingernails, there was no skin on her hand. It was as though someone had taken the top of her hand and peeled it like an orange. Margaret also reported that she had to have a friend come pick her up from the studio following the incident. Margaret said, That was always amazing to me, that the studio didn't send me home in a limousine. The studio was just as impatient to get Margaret back on set as they were the original Tin Man. They called her the very next day following the incident, saying they needed her to get back on the set ASAP. Margaret ended up spending six weeks between the hospital and home recovering. Once Margaret made it back to set, she had to wear green gloves instead of her makeup because the nerves in her hands were still exposed. Now that she was back, it was time to film another scene involving fire. It was the scene where the Wicked Witch was going to write Surrender Dorothy in the sky with her broomstick and black smoke. In order to make this happen, they had to attach a pipe to the bicycle seat saddle on the broomstick. Margaret was like, yeah, right, I am not doing that. No more fireworks, no way, I'm not filming that scene. So they called in her stunt double, Betty Danko. While filming, this pipe exploded. Betty was badly burned. She said it felt like her scalp was coming off and the explosion blew her off the broomstick. She had a two inch deep wound on her leg that was full of bits of her costume. Betty had to recover for two weeks in the hospital because of her injuries. 
Meanwhile, the studio hired a different stunt double who was able to finish the scene. Betty was just left with lasting scars. The Tin Man and the Wicked Witch weren't the only people to be suffering due to their costumes. Let's take the lion's costume. The lion was played by Bert Lahr. He had to endure 100 pounds of costume. His costume was actually made from real lion pelts. Now, the lights on set were hot, very hot. So hot that some of the actors were fainting and had to be carried off set. They had everyone suffering from the heat, but none more than Bert. Bert had to wear this 100 pound costume as well as endure this heat. He sweat completely through his costume daily so much that every night it had to be put in an industrial drying bin so he was able to wear it the next day. The Scarecrow didn't make it out of this movie unscathed by his costume either. Ray Bolger played the Scarecrow. He had a rubber mask that basically closed the pores in his face. The rubber wasn't porous and he couldn't sweat, so when the lights were really hot, he said he truly felt like he was suffocating. He couldn't get enough oxygen. On the last day of filming, Ray removed his rubber prosthetic mask from his face and he said he discovered that he had permanent burlap scars etched around his mouth and chin. So we've talked about the poisonous makeup, but there was actually another poisonous substance that was used during filming. In the iconic scene where Dorothy falls asleep in the poppy field, she was awakened by snow from Glinda the Good Witch of the North. But the snow used was actually just Asbestos, the cancer-causing carcinogen. If inhaled, it could cause lung cancer, among other serious diseases. Now, it seems that every single person on set had awful costumes and issues with the environment. While Dorothy, played by Judy Garland, didn't have issues with her costume, the problems she encountered on set were far more traumatic than costume malfunctions. Judy was only 16 during the filming of The Wizard of Oz, The producers were very, very, very strict and awful about pressuring Judy to stay thin for the duration of the film. Now, it's probably not news to you that Judy Garland struggled with substance abuse her entire life following filming, and many people believe that this is where all of her issues began. The producers forced Judy to take pep pills, aka methamphetamines, in order to control her appetite. The studio executives often referred to Judy as a fat little pig with pigtails. The verbal abuse that Judy endured was astounding. The co-founder of MGM Studios referred to Judy as my little hunchback. This co-founder named Louis B. Meyer put Judy on a very strict diet of solely black coffee to drink, chicken soup, and she needed to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. That's 80 cigarettes in a day. Go look it up. It's true. In order to keep Judy's energy up, the studio gave Judy adrenaline shots, and in order to combat all of these uppers that she was on, she had to take sleeping pills to help her sleep at night. At 16 years old, you can see how all of these things just set her up for failure. The studio originally wanted Shirley Temple to play the role of Dorothy, but Shirley couldn't quite hit those high notes that were necessary. So Judy Garland was their second choice. Shirley Temple was six years younger than Judy Garland, so all of this weight control was an attempt to make her look younger. 
They would bind Judy's breasts so she appeared to be younger. Judy was also tormented by many of the munchkins who sexually assaulted her and they put their hands under her dress. Some of the men who did this to 16-year-old Judy were 40 years old or older. The munchkins in general were very misbehaved and several even ended up getting arrested between shots. The studio would have to bail them out immediately though so they could get back to filming. Now speaking of munchkins, let's talk about the infamous hanging scene. Most sources are gonna tell you that this didn't happen, it's a myth. And what you're seeing in the background is really a white bird. Sources say that this clip though was actually remastered years later to remove this part of the scene from the background and replace it with an actual bird. But that doesn't stop people from believing that this was an attempt by MGM to cover up the suicide on set. There are videos of both the original scene and the remastered scene side by side. The original is very interesting. It looks like a man hanging. The shape of a man, you can see his feet at the bottom. It's just so interesting. Now, some sources stated that possibly someone created this hanging man version and somehow got this version distributed on home video in the 80s. That's a little far-fetched to me. Most claim, though, that this has been thoroughly debunked. Honestly, we'll never know if it was always a bird or if it was remastered by MGM to cover up the hanging man. And this accompanied with the munchkins and their behavior, their sexual harassment, and all of these crazy issues on set creates this cursed reputation. Though The Wizard of Oz is one of the greatest classics of all time, many people still watch this film with a sense of unease and morbid curiosity. Now, The Wizard of Oz isn't the only cursed movie. Movies like The Passion of the Christ, The Exorcist, The Omen, Poltergeist, Insidious, and The Dark Knight are just a few others. The craziest one to me was the curse of the movie The Omen. I may or may not have seen The Omen. I believe I saw it when I was like 14, but I just can't remember it, so I either wasn't paying attention or it didn't have an impact on me. But either way, The Curse of the Omen did have an impact on me. Just listen to this. The Omen was released in 1976, and if you couldn't tell by the title, it's a horror movie. The synopsis of the movie is that a couple adopts a young boy named Damien, and after his adoption, they became suspicious that he was the Antichrist. Bad things, death, destruction happen to anyone whose path touched Damien's. Some say this movie was cursed from the beginning. Robert Munger, the executive and the brain of this movie, was actually a born-again Christian. But after he pitched the idea for the movie, Robert was feeling some bad juju, and he warned the creators of this film that he knew that a movie set starring the son of the devil was undoubtedly going to be cursed. The bad things that happened started with the protagonist in the movie, Gregory Peck. Peck had randomly had to cancel a flight. Some say that this flight was supposed to be for the entire cast and crew of the movie, but they ended up not needing it. The plane crashed the day Peck was supposed to get on it, and it killed everyone on board. And even stranger, when the plane crashed to the ground, it landed on a vehicle that was occupied by members of the pilot's entire family. 
So Peck did end up having to take a flight eventually to shoot scenes for this movie. Peck's plane was struck by lightning in the air. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but the film's writer, David Seltzer, took a separate flight to join the cast and crew two days after Peck's plane was struck by lightning. Seltzer's plane was also struck by lightning. Mace Newfield, the executive producer, was taking Peck and other members of the crew out to eat one evening, and before they got to the restaurant, the restaurant was totally destroyed in a violent explosion. Newfield, the executive producer, felt like this was just too coincidental. And especially after one day, he and his wife checked out early from a hotel that they were staying at in London, and shortly after, the hotel was completely devastated by another explosion. The Omen's curse affected nearly every single person in the cast and crew. For instance, the special effects designer designed the scene in the movie where someone gets decapitated. Soon after filming wrapped up, he and his wife were in a head-on collision that decapitated his wife. This felt too coincidental, and the designer said that there was a road sign next to the collision site that showed a town called Omen, spelled O-M-M-E-N, and the town was 66.6 kilometers away. There was another scene in the Omen where there was supposed to be a baboon attack. The day after the trainer of this baboon that was supposed to be used in the scene was hired, he was killed the very next day. He was killed by a tiger the day after he was hired for this movie. This wasn't the only animal incident to occur either. Peck's stuntman was attacked by trained Rottweilers while filming a scene using them. They caused severe injuries. Another instance, two weeks before Peck was supposed to begin filming The Omen, his son committed suicide. Now, similarly, The Passion of the Christ also had some crazy things happen to the cast and crew while on set. Things that seemed similar to The Omen, which in contrast to The Omen, this movie was about Christ instead of the Antichrist. In 2004, the assistant director, Jan Michelini, and the lead actor who played Jesus, Jim Caviezel, were both struck by lightning during the filming of this movie. A fellow actor on set said he saw smoke coming out of Caviezel's ears. And this actually was the second time the assistant director, Michelini, had been struck by lightning on set. Neither of them sustained serious injuries, but I'm sure it was quite a shock. No pun intended. Which you know, if you get struck by lightning, you're more likely to be struck again. But I assume it has to be a, like a permanent electrical charge in your body. I'm not a scientist, but obviously I feel like there's something to that. Earlier in filming, Michelini, the assistant director, in case you're horrible at keeping up with people's names like I am, actually experienced minor burns to his fingers after lightning hit his umbrella. It wasn't just lightning that was after the cast and crew on the set. There was an incident involving the whipping of Christ, so obviously they weren't going to actually whip the actor, they set up a whipping post behind Caviezel for the scene. But one of the actors using the whips had really bad aim and actually whipped Caviezel in real life. But this whip extended over the board that was set up and it hit him with massive force. Caviezel said that the blow he took was so intense that he couldn't breathe. 
It knocked the wind out of him. He said it was excruciatingly painful, and he had lacerations on his back. Caviezel also dislocated his shoulder while carrying the cross that weighed 150 pounds. And while on the cross, they were experiencing very cold temperatures and strong winds that day, he actually became hypothermic because he didn't have any clothes on, and he developed a lung infection and pneumonia because of it. He had constant migraines and skin infections due to the makeup and prosthetics. Now, I guess you could say the curse of the movie followed Caviezel throughout his career. He was warned by Mel Gibson that if he accepted this role, he would never find work in Hollywood again. And Mel was right. Caviezel was essentially ostracized from Hollywood because of this role. People think this movie was cursed because Mel Gibson made a lot of anti-Semitic comments and remarks about Jewish people. They say this was a blasphemous movie because they were using Christ's story to make money. Look, there are so many stories about cursed movies out there, and I'm not going to go over all of them here. These were just a few that I found fascinating, eerie, and paranormal. These stories might just make you wonder if there isn't some sort of evil force out there. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Do me a huge favor and please subscribe to Moonless Nights so you're notified when any new episodes are available. And please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more episodes like it, or if you have any ideas for future episodes, email me at moonlesspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Recording, writing, audio editing, and brand design by yours truly, Perry Farlow. Music is by Samuel Francis Johnson, Jeff Harvey, and Music Unlimited. Thank you again so much for listening. Until next time, stay weird, people.